Another international window has been and gone. And unfortunately for Stephen Kenny, he's racked up another two defeats. Where do we go from here? The fella in the green and white short. The fella in the green and white short. Keep the good man on the bench. Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast in a week where Finn Harps and Derry City have some news about their new stadiums. Stephen Kenny finds himself under severe pressure and the under-21s show the seniors how to do it. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. And Nathan, it's been another poor international break. The question I asked at the start was, where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? Yeah, well, we're moving to Game Boy, aren't we, with that air? that all too familiar sinking feeling in our stomachs that uh, another major European competition has got away from us. Like, so you can imagine the Euros has done and dusted now from an Ireland point of view. Like that France game was really, really deject- uh, dejecting over and Paris getting beaten 2-0 in what was essentially a pre-season performance from a French point of view because he never had to get out of second gear or in with that poor. And the Royal, we ultimately got out to a Really positive start actually against uh, Holland uh, in the Aviva Stadium and Adam, Adam Eda penalty in the opening five minutes, probably even less. And I thought the first half we were really good at pressure when uh, Holland playing out from the back, which you know, we look at it, it's mad when we think it does, we think it is the sexy football, Roy, don't we? It definitely wasn't yeah. on display in the, in the first half in the Aviva, but like, once it went one all, I think the writing was on the wall, you could feel it around the place. Um, what's next? Stephen Kenny's days, you do see the numbers, or don't we? We've seen a couple of reports coming out. I've seen one today myself by um, the ever reliable Danny McDonald from the Irish Independent. Then the, the FBI board are split on acting, uh, whether they act now or did they hang on to after this Euro 2024 campaign, which finishes up uh, not, not too far away now in, in November in two months. So, did he stick? Did he twist to Stephen Kenny now? Did he hang on, let him go, maybe wait for a more suitable replacement to come up? But uh, as of now, anyway, Stephen McKenney even listening to him in the press conferences, um, especially the press conference, right? I don't know if you've seen it after the Holland game. It was, it was a tough watch. Whether you're a Stephen McKenney no, fan or not, you could see you could see how dejected he was, like genuinely close to tears, probably at one stage. I don't know if that's the lighting or whatever it was. The thing was, is, was Nathan, watch. The, you look at him, he's, a, he's an Irish person who is passionate about his Irish football passionate about his country and passionate about his job so we know that he's given everything that he has to the job and no one has ever doubted that but unfortunately results are so important and for a manager of an international team for an Irish international team qualification is what we're looking for and if that's once every two or three campaigns that's what we look for at the moment this is the third chance for Stephen Kenny to qualify and it's deterred failure I'm not sure that you get more chances than that yeah that's it isn't it it's, uh, we're, like, we're not expecting especially when this draw was made for the group it was going to be really difficult but even at that you want to be pushing for that whole place slot right don't you you want to be creeping ahead of Greece and hoping the likes of France and Holland do slip up and the occasional qualification of what are after but it's just, just it's nothing there at the minute now looking at the FEI's um, the meeting schedule that was coming out right the next board meeting is expected to take place uh, at the end of the month. So that'll be on Tuesday, uh, 26th September. So there is no emergency meeting plans at the moment, which 
that's what usually when you see the big decisions made, isn't it? We're going to talk about rear repair a little bit later in the show. So when you hear an emergency meeting, we'll, we'll, we'll call for, for that. And uh, the button's on the wall there. Uh, there is an up cup from a press conference with the FBI, but that's expected to be um, more of an explanation beyond the reason of their three with Taylor second, rather than anything to do with Stephen Kenny, even though you imagine there will be an overwhelming amount of questions from the media um, on the Stephen Kenny situation. But you know, one thing that struck me, Roy, and now I, was, I wasn't at the game uh, on Sunday evening in the Beaver Stadium against Holland. knew a lot of guys that went to the game, I think uh, two of our own, the big kick of members, Neil and Dave, both at the game too be interesting to get their perspective but there just seems to be a lot of um, apathy doesn't there towards uh, Stephen at the minute and towards the Orton squad like you listen to when the final whiffle went I remember being at games where I we're going back years ago now with Steve Stoughton in charge and there was just anger there was those vicious anger around uh, around the team and around the, the stadium at the time but there just wasn't that emotion there wasn't any definite bills um at full time, they just seen there was no late rally, whether that be on the pitch or in the stands. I think the Ireland fans are just falling, bored and fed up now of uh, waiting on this football revolution to come in. Something that even we talk about so much because we've definitely been pro Stephen Kenny for a large majority of his reign. But do you think that it's boredom, yeah, it's, or do you think that it's just disappointment? Because when, as, as we said, when Stephen Kenny started off. He started off playing 4-3-3. He started pressing other teams high in their half. Uh, again, when we played Portugal that time, we were winning 1-0 and Ronaldo got to two late goals. For the majority of that game, first half, we were outstanding. Uh, second half, we did start to sit back and eventually gave Portugal the win because of that. But now Portugal are Portugal. They're, they're a quality side. You've seen that the other day when they beat Luxembourg 9-0. You know, we're not beating Luxembourg 9-0. Yeah, that didn't did well for an Ireland point of view. No, did it? it didn't, no. <laughs> it didn't but it, looking at that, it looked like the score coming in. It's like, God, <laughs> that, even that hasn't done Stephen any favours whatsoever. But is it? do you think that it's the fact that no matter what people are saying about Stephen Kenny, a lot, I'd say even the majority of people, even if it's the slight majority, still wanted them to succeed and badly wanted them to succeed because they do know what it means to him. They do know the type of football. But I just think that people are at the realisation now. And and, and this, this wasn't apparent at the start because he was brave. He was pushing his teams on. He was he was getting into people's faces that his teams have dropped off and got afraid a bit like probably Stephen has got a little bit cautious about you know trying to get results and abandoning what he was doing in the first place which was that high pressing and, and win the ball back and you know then play possession football in their half The confidence is very knocked Roy isn't it mm. you can see it as a manager as you said like he's gone very reserved and while we, we we will champion and we always will champion. I've said it multiple times. I think the blueprint is there now for an Ireland team should be going forward, and it's, it's the early reign of Stephen. But now Ireland are extremely easy to play against. It can be pretty football sometimes. You've seen that in the first forty five minutes against the Dutch. Um, but I don't think it goes nowhere. There's, there's not much penetration or end product there from an Irish point of view. So it's very safe to to ultimately play against. Um, but he does. He, he looks like a manager that just absolutely shot in confidence of, of what he's doing the belief is absolutely gone as I said that press conference after the Holland game in particular was tough to watch from someone that's a League of Ireland fan because that's always going to be a big thing I, did, I think that was why we were so happy to see him coming in like this the League of Ireland show 
uh, of how we were probably always going to come a bit more slack than uh, yeah, but it wasn't. It wasn't really yeah, that, Nathan. You look at the the football that was being played. Mick McCarthy came back in. He didn't play football the way he played before. It was dire, uh, poor football to watch. Martin O'Neill, awful football. Apart from in the Euros when they were in France, where they got the shackles off and actually played football, awful football yeah. to watch. And Trapattoni was probably some of the worst football that Irish team has ever played. It was atrocious. And when they got qualified for a European Championship, and again. You look at it, do we want to qualify for European Championships like Trapattoni, but have an absolute dire and abysmal team? And, and when, when we qualified for that, we feared what would happen in that tournament, which did happen, where we lost all our games, that that would happen because we knew we were inferior in the style that we were playing, not necessarily even the players, because he had good players at that time, but he, he, he destroyed uh, the Ireland team with the way he played. I think that Stephen Kenny was something that we wanted to see. We wanted to see football, but based on the foundation of what Irish teams are about. And that's hard work and getting stuck into people and, and, and being in their faces. And it started off that way, but it slowly trickled away. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think the two games, right, that we did touch on, that was a real turning point was that Luxembourg defeat. And I think the uh, the Greece defeat as well. Oh, and that was, it was a real one that turned a lot of people off. And, I think that was a real change in Stephen as well. It's, it's ever ever since, especially the degrees to see him. I would say two hop sides over the the most recent window, but it was tough to watch. There was nothing there at all, especially against France. Right? I know we done the recording after. We put a snippet out, I'm not too sure, but um, it, it was just it was disheartening to watch. A really really lost my own point of view. There was nothing there from a typical Stephen Kenny performance from early on in his reign. I mean, he is a good coach. Right? Stephen's a really really good coach. I think he will. These days are definitely numbered from an northern point of view, whether that be in the coming days, whether that be in November, it better not be tomorrow when we finish up the recording. <laughs> that's very typical. But I think he will go on elsewhere. I think he's a much better level than League of Ireland. And this coming from someone that loves the league, so that's not knock with disrespect on the league. But I think he can go on and, and do really good things. But yeah, it's 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 definitely been so disheartening to watch over, over the past couple of weeks. and even from someone that, that that was a staunch Stephen Kenny fan, I was delighted to see someone coming directly from a Dundalk job into the national team. It was brilliant to see, but um, yes, it's definitely it's time for him to to move on, go elsewhere, and now it's all about winning the Super Rural placement, isn't it? it, it it's not about you know you look at looking at the odds, right? But we jumped on here. You have the likes of Steve Bruce is still there, Big Sam, both them lads at eleven to one, uh, and Paddy Power. We have someone like me and Lennon that's also in the running. Surely they wouldn't be exciting propositions for Ireland fans out there. I know we do want to qualify the tournament ultimately, but I think we want a bit of both, right? Don't we? we want to qualify? We want to do it in style, and because you can't say that it's a squad of players, you don't have the players there, but there is quality in that squad when they are fit and ready to go. Like Evan Ferguson is lighting up the Premier League at the minute, being touted as one of the most um, appealing young players in the league at the moment. Yeah. Josh Cullen, the quality midfielder, playing for Burnley, he's going to be a Premier League midfielder this year on a consistent level so there is tons of players there it's just I think it's getting the right person in that can take the baton that, that Stephen left very early on in his managerial reign and not, not diverting back to probably old bad habits Yeah when you look at Scotland and how they're doing in their group and yeah. I was looking at their it's team brilliant. I was looking at their team today and yes they, ha- they have a good full back in Robertson um, they have Tierney playing in a, in a kind of a centre-back tr- three-at-the-back kind of uh, situation. So he's playing out of there. Uh, John McGinn, 
Um, I think they have Scott McTominay who's not getting his game for Manchester United. And then the rest of them are playing for Watford and Norwich and uh, Southampton, Shea Adams and the goalkeeper I think is Norwich as well. They're, it's not too much different from what where, where Ireland are. And we talk about Ireland, hear people say, oh, they're in League 1, League 2. No, they're not. They're they're in the Premier League and the Championship. Championship is probably the, the fifth or sixth biggest league in Europe, financially. And so the, it's a good quality league. So there's no, there's nothing there that, to say that we shouldn't be doing better than we are. We're not even talking about, we're talking about qualifying, but realistically, we're looking going, we're not winning games. You know, we're not competing in games. Against Greece, we didn't compete. Greece got hammered by Holland 3-0. Holland are in a great side Greece are in a great side and we just have not performed so do I think someone would have come in at start and done better than Stephen Kenny did at the start I don't think so I think uh, maybe could have qualified off the bounce onto the, the playoffs maybe that could have happened uh, but after that then there was a lot of COVID issues and he had a lot of bad luck in, in them scenarios but now he's had everything in place he's got the players he keeps mentioning it blooded in 20 players and RT named out uh, Mick McCarthy blooding in 24 and, and Trapatoni blooding in more and so the excuses have to end now who do we get in it's it's really hard it's looking at the, the list of managers that are available it builds no confidence at all whatsoever if they get someone like Roy Keane um, Neil Lennon as you said Sam Allardyce Steve Bruce forget about it you know, the people people are going to be just disgusted with that. Some might like Roy Keane, but the, them other ones, absolutely not. Rafa Benitez is in there. Who wants to see Rafa Benitez would be just like a Trapatoni, sitting back. Yes, he's good when he's good players because his defensive system looks good when you have those defensive or, or quality players who can break and attack. Uh, but as he's seen at Everton there, it doesn't work when you don't have the quality of players. So I... I'm I'm really concerned about who would come up. I said I'd like to see someone like Graham Potter. We talked to Dave uh, the other day about it, and he was suggesting they look at the likes of Denmark, and you know they they seem to qualify all the time. And what what makes them special? They don't have that. The players that they have aren't of greater quality. Um, so why are they qualifying all the time? What is it that they do? Maybe get someone from in around you know those areas that have, have been there and done before and it's not a bad thing but I, I'd be a little worried with, with that list Yeah so was I uh, mate, I really really was concerned by looking at it um, I was reading an article just before we jumped on here by, by um, uh, Miguel Delaney who is the uh, the chief football lawyer from the Independence over in England and I think you know, that Lee Cars he seems to be the front runner at the moment from the from the job in terms of um, reports and um, betting uh, bookies and stuff like that. But as you can imagine, the FA, uh, as I said here in, in this article, the FA will have a massive pushback on the FAI coming in for Lee Carsley just for the job that he's done winning the uh, European Championships with the under twenty one squad. Uh, Rafa Benitez, as you said, as always been mentioned, he's gonna be really expensive. He's only under signing a three year deal. Uh, Arcelda Vigo over in La Liga, they only done that deal in June. Uh, Kieran McKenna has also been mentioned, uh, current instant manager, but they're sitting second in the championship at the moment. They've had a decent investment this summer in, uh, to recruit the right players and they really have a good promotion push. So you can imagine he's not going to be really keen to be coming over to the Ireland job at the moment when things are going so well at club level for him. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one to see, isn't it? 
Yeah, and I'm not I'm not amazed by Lee Carsley. Um, he's it's under twenty one football. He hasn't done much more. Yeah, he won the under twenty one championships. He should have won the under twenty one championships. The players that he had at his disposal. I watched those games. There was nothing amazing about England. In actual fact. I wasn't impressed with them at all. I didn't think their movement was great. I just thought they had better players than most uh, organised, as you'd expect from a professional uh, coach and a professional team. But I seen nothing that made it stand out that, you know, there's something special there. Doesn't mean Lee won't go on and have a great career. Uh, I hope he does. And I hope he does, you know, if, if, if he's with the Republic of Ireland team, I hope he's... Uh, I hope I eat my words but I just haven't seen anything and that's why it's a, a bit of a concern for me because I just don't I don't see it in that there but then again who else is there so maybe maybe Lee does deserve a chance uh, but he he would have a lot to prove just as much as Stephen Kenny Yeah definitely but that was a knock on Stephen Kenny wasn't it when he came into the door with his credentials at club level Stephen was done 10 times more than what Lee Carsley has in his entire managerial career, as I said, massive achievements. Doing what he's done to, to win the, the European Championships under 21, but that's an under 21 side that it's chock full of quality. A lot of players are regulars in the Premier League at this, this stage of the career. So I don't know. Um, as you did say, the, the chat that we were having with the lads straight after the fans game, I thought they had brought up a great point about maybe looking uh, at some of the European teams. Uh, it may have actually not been mentioned at all, Roy, and he is on the Paddy Power odds list that I just have up here. He's 22 to 1 at the moment. Uh, Ralph Hasselhoven, former Southampton manager. Mm. So that sort of route maybe could be something to go down. I don't know, but I know from my point of view, it would definitely be much more attractive than, you know, in Neil Lennon, if Steve Wills, the big slam. Yeah. That would just be really, really, really concerning uh, going forward from what we are ultimately going, going to watch and what we're going to see from another uh, side. Yeah, we need we need substance. We don't need a name, uh, and uh, plenty of teams have found that out with some yeah. of those managerial appointments. And I, I, I think a lot of people disagree with us. Well. I think a lot of people do just want to see us revert back and just underestimate the side in terms of, as you said, oh, we're League One quality, we're League Two, we're League Two quality. We're not. The Ireland is, is is a championship level club with sprinkles of really talented footballers in it, and there's no the counties underselling themselves whatsoever in that regard. There's no reason Ireland can't be regulars in the European Championship and qualify for the occasional World Cup as well. So I think we have to be that. I know the the, the money is not there with the FAI and to probably go out to someone like Rafa Benitez and um take him off a three year deal like he's just signed mm. at the La Liga side. Thankfully, but I think we have. I think we have to be a little bit more um, brave in terms of recruitment and not just revert back to, to someone that's going to take us back probably 10 more years in terms of style of play and the style of football. Like we can't have a cake and eat. We can't be progressive in terms of our football style and we can't be pushing on to qualify for our tournaments and, and make that a regular occurrence. Okay, before we go on to Vera Pau, we're going to talk about the Ireland under-21s who... Basically showed what seniors what to do. Two wins out of two. Yeah, great start, isn't it, Roy? The lads uh, in Group A at the moment uh, for the European 2025 uh, uh, qualifying campaign. That's going to take place in Slovakia, as I said, in 2025. Uh, Ireland in a group of Italy, Turkey, Norway, Latvia and San Marino. So a difficult group, Roy, that they've got mm-hmm. drawn into. But as you said, it's an absolutely brilliant start. Two wins out of two. It could have been more dramatic, could it, on, on, on the fourth game. Uh, we've seen, seen the goals coming in. Uh, they were facing Torquay. This is on Friday uh, down at Tornas Cross. 
got three two win. Ireland they went one nil down in the twenty uh, twentieth minute with a penalty. Then uh, Andy Moran stepped up with a stunning scene of an absolute great goal yeah, around the arm mark to level team. Tried to up. do it again tonight. Uh, yeah, did he? I was trying. I was half looking at the game tonight, doing a bit of prep for the show. I was throwing the eye on uh, every now and again. And we talked about that now, now in the second. But yeah, then again, when two one to Torquay, uh, Ireland got a penalty of their own in the eighty seventh minute to bring it level to all. You thought yeah, that'd be a good good draw to start things off against a decent Torquay side. But uh, Eddie Arnold and Mackey, who former Shamrock Rovers striker, now playing for Millwall, stepped up in the ninety sixth minute. Uh, to bag a winner for Jim Crawford's side so that's an absolutely brilliant start for them uh, and then this evening actually only about an hour so just before we jumped on here to record uh, they picked up another 3-0 win against San Marino again that was down on Cross goals coming uh, double from Celtic's Rocco Vate in the 8th minute and then just before half time Another former Shamrock Rovers striker, uh, Sinclair Armstrong mm. now playing for QPR we've seen him make his senior debut against uh, Holland so it's definitely been a busy week for Sinclair so he'd be delighted to get in the score sheet and I suppose just from a League of Ireland point of view it was great to see again Torquay we had three starts we had uh, Sam Cortes Adam Murphy and John Kenny starting and then the season against San Marino we had again one start with Sam Cortes and two lads on the bench uh, Connor Carty and Adam Murphy so League of Ireland point of view it was great to see but from a uh, Selfish Nathan Doyle at St. Pat's point of view, it's even better to see a lot of uh, young St. Pat players making an impression in the under 21 squad. And as you said, they're, they're showing up the same lads at the moment, aren't they? Because that is a brilliant, brilliant start. Yeah, and I mean, Jim Crawford's job is yes, go and qualify, get them into the tournaments there, but it's also a huge thing to try and develop these players and make them ready for the senior team. And the more he gets through, the more of a success that he is so we'll be seeing sprinkles again like we've seen Will Smallbone make it uh, true and and he's still finding his feet so it is hard to make that jump from under 21s to senior so uh, for me yes qualifying brilliant can you just get through that'll show what you're doing out on the pitch with, with them anyhow but the real success is, is getting those players uh, ready for senior football and uh, hopefully uh, the next manager has uh, plenty to pick from okay we're going to be talking about Finn Harps and Derry City and their uh, stadium redevelopments. Uh, not overly positive news, Nathan, but the uh, Virapau sacking, or is it a sacking, Nathan? It's just a contract, really, that hasn't been renewed. Yeah, I, I know people are probably listening and saying, Jesus, lads, the latest news here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we did kind of talk about it. Yeah, we did actually. We talked in detail in the last recording. So um, we sort of gave our thoughts on Vera, our opinions. Should she go? Should she not go? So if you want to hear really in-depth, because we went on that for the while, right, didn't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we did. back, it, 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 I, thought, I thought it was a really good discussion that we had. Um, but unfortunately, it has been confirmed by the FBI that Vera Powell uh, will not be offered a new deal. This follows um, a, a meeting with the FBI board and Eileen Gleeson has now stepped in on an interim basis um, for the Nations League games against Northern Ireland and Hungary at the end of September. Eileen uh, Asolich is the head of women's and girls football with the FEI and she was Real Power's assistant coach during the Euro 2022 qualifying campaign. Now, I hope this, Nathan, just this interim nonsense that they go through with, I hope now, if they're given this as an interim job, I hope it's with the view to iron up someone 
that they really, really want to take Ireland on to the next level. Because if Eileen is the woman to do that and they feel she is, don't be doing this interim nonsense. Just give her the job if that's what you feel. But if it's not, you know, make sure you get the right person next. And and I I, I just don't want them to... I, I nearly, I'm nearly i nearly saying I don't want them to stick with Eileen because it, it, I just hate all that messing about. Give her the job if, if she's good enough for the job. And I think if she gets the job, it'll be because they couldn't get the people that they wanted. And that's hard. And I don't mean that harsh on Eileen. I don't like probably a really, really good coach and everything. But just from the FAI point of view, that's kind of what it looks like. It kind of looks like they're looking for time when they do this interim thing to try and fish someone else out. So I'd nearly be disappointed if Eileen gets the job, not because I don't think Eileen could do a good job, but because they failed in what they've done to get a high class manager who was proven. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with you. I, I'm never a fan of the in, interim basis stuff. Again, or even someone that's been in and around the coaching staff, previous manager, uh, I, I really am a fan of it at all. Like Eileen's been mentioned with the role, uh, Tom Elms, who was the current assistant manager, for uh, who was assistant with Vera Pell for the, uh, the Republic of Ireland women's national team. He's another name that's been brought up. Like, especially when we think like, there is some interesting propositions out there Roy isn't there like the same Lisa Fallon seems to be the front runner at the moment she, she's a favourite I think getting someone in like Casey Stoney she's uh, 12 to 1 at the minute yeah. to come in she's one of the men floating around she's currently all in San Diego with San Diego Wave but was uh, at least in Manchester United over in England had a, a really lengthy playing career as well I think something like that could, could be appealing or even I don't know if you want to keep it in house. Do you look down to the under 19s with the likes of Dave Connell there as well? Something that's well respected in the, the, the circle of Irish football. So, yeah, I, I think it's either you're going to give it to Eileen now to kind of deal with. Uh, don't start be dancing around the issue. Uh, but I think if you was like Eileen Cleason, you'd be mad to give up the role you have at the minute uh, within the FEI as the head of women and girls football hmm. uh, to, to take over. But yeah, it, you wouldn't be person, you wouldn't be my first choice. I think there's, there's much more interesting uh, propositions out there that are being uh, linked to the role itself. Just in terms of uh, of their appeal, leaving the, the role, Roy, again, so we, we talked about there's a lot in depth, so I'm not really going to get back into it too much, but the term player power came up a lot, didn't it? Mm, yeah. uh, like we look at the Kate McCabe spot, we look at um, general public backing after the World Cup, like, geez, like, like, say what you will with Stephen Kenny, but we, we've even seen the likes of Nathan Collins coming out and publicly backing Stephen um, since since the most recent international uh, break. And Virgo never got that. There was a lot of frustration around the decision making process. But I was looking at an interview that uh, Zero had done with, uh, with Tony O'Donoghue, and very much what she came out straight away, defended Kate McKay, claimed that uh, she received multiple uh, private well wishes from uh, staff and from. Uh, squad players so if you're looking at the seemingly split dressing room if that's going to be a non-factor then what do you think was the reason behind that second like was it the walk performances was it the or, or form like I've said before uh, you look at the, the form since the B Scotland the qualified World Cup played 10 games the one two drew three lost five Um or could it even be something like, like the alleged uh, misconduct scandal over in America with the NWSL? The FEI maybe could have him under pressure with sponsors for that sort of scandal. I know, like I said earlier in the show, we're going to have a press conference coming up in the next week or so that will hopefully explain a lot of the decision-making process. But 
if you are looking at Brera coming out and saying uh, that she has received well wishes and defending Kate McKay publicly, what do you think the reason is that the FBO decided not to renew the contract of someone that got us to a World Cup for the fourth time? Well, the form is one. It, like again, you have to win games. So uh, if we're talking two and ten. That's not that's not great form. I'd say it's a mixture of all of it, though. I'd say there's a little bit of everything going on. A little bit of the controversy with, um, with the, those allegations. A little bit of controversy with the team getting pulled off the the pitch. Uh, a little bit of controversy with the Katie McCabe thing. And I think they probably just thought, okay, there's a lot of things gathering up here, and, and we don't need this. It has to be said though, the FAI are not doing anything wrong. They don't have to give anyone a contract. So they're honouring the contract till the end and so be it. And they can go and look for someone else if that's how they feel. So for me, that's their decision and that's that's the way it is and that's professional football. So, But I do think that I, I'm actually more upset with them, as I said before, with the media and how they portrayed it all. Uh, uh, I thought they were disgusting in how they portrayed uh, her um, and when they were coming back to try and enjoy the success of qualifying for a, a World Cup which had never happened before they put the dampener on it they were trying to put it down and they acted like they acted like UK uh, social media UP, UK newspapers uh, UK journalists and that's not the way Irish people do things. Uh, they all let themselves down, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I 100 agree with you. I didn't. I didn't find. Actually, never thought I was going to say these words. I didn't find an issue with the FBI about how they handled it. I thought they got a lot of uh, bad press about how they handled the situation. I don't think they should have. Um, again, we're going to say sack or let the contract run out. I'll be repair. I thought she deserved another uh, campaign to, to see how to get on. I wasn't overly little for the performances, uh, albeit in a difficult group, or yeah, a lot of things did, did mount up uh, within. But I thought um, post and pre-World Cup, Vera was really, really let down by a lot of the, the mainstream media outlets that uh, would have a lot of sway in the country and, and would uh, change the opinion of a lot of people that the thousands and thousands and even millions of listeners or readers that do listen in without going into detail and without leaving ill facts of what Vera walked into in 2019 and the situation of the women's national team uh, before 2019 for, for the past 10-15 uh, years and the state that was in and ultimately Vera has left the women's national side in a glittering condition compared to the way that you found. You know, I just don't think that was highlighted whatsoever. It was really a smear campaign and a scapegoat to see what they, what they were saying about Vera and the small things which they were picking up on. As you said, taking the players off the pitch against Colombia in a friendly leading up to the tournament that, that got absolutely ravaged through. Any press conference she did got uh, went through the flying two cone to pick up on any sort of controversy that, that could be made I, I thought she was let but they pounced Nathan we lost the first game there, everyone was everyone was so positive and everything. we lost the first game they pounced second uh, after the second game because they knew then we couldn't qualify and that was like right great she's after she's after losing now here let's go and attack now and that was the wrong time to be talking and discussing and analysing how the World Cup has gone there's still a game left to go you know we get that win in that game it, it ends in a positive vibe and journalists within the Republic of Ireland 
destroyed that and and again let themselves down let let people in the country down because that's not how Irish people work uh, uh yeah really uh, disappointed with that regard Okay, listen, we, Vera's going to be gone uh, again. Uh, we could have two international uh, managers, new managers in 2024. Uh, we'll be seeing that uh, very soon, I would say, with the, the women's team and the men's mightn't follow too far after. League of Ireland news, Nathan, Finn Harps and Derry City, they're trying to redevelop their stadiums or build a stadium uh, with Finn Harps. Not positive news. No, it's not. Who would have thought League of Ireland Stadium updates and, and, and new bills like uh, coming into a bit of bother. We'll start with Derry City, I think, like, and this concerns the North Terrace that has been proposed for the Brandywell with a capacity of 2,940. This will see um, behind the, the goal with the away fans at the, at the moment on the curve. They're bringing a brand new Liverpool to stand behind that goal, so that's with the away fans are supposed to be housed. This is strange. We normally see the likes of uh, granting the money, uh, putting a bit of a halt to plans, and that's something that we will talk about in a second with Finn Harps. But this one concerns uh, Northern Ireland Water, who are the sole provider of water and sewage services in Northern Ireland. They are a government-owned uh, entity and an agency within the Department of Infrastructure. So, Northern Ireland Water raised formal concerns about the ability of the sewer networks okay, uh, now, Nathan, within the area. Try and make this interesting. All right? We're going to lose people here if we start talking about sewers. Come like, on. <laughs> so, do you know what? I'm going to try to hold the line of interesting, but without going into bleeding details because I know people <laughs> listen to this eating their lunch and the last thing you want to hear your boy talking about is sewer networks. So I'm going to keep this brief and we're going to keep I went, this. I went over to see, you brought my dad over to see... Um, Manchester United for his 60th birthday and we got, we went over to see Man United versus AC Milan Champions League and we got the course the, the Ryanair flight which is at like quarter past Jupiter in the morning and we got over there at about half six or something like that and the only place that was open we had nowhere to go we couldn't go to the hotel that we were going to be staying in there was nothing open really the only place that we could go to was the uh, Museum of Waterworks in Manchester so by the time it hit uh, time to go back uh, to the hotel we knew the sewerage system in Manchester inside out um, and so that's why I'm concerned about where you were going with this <laughs> Yeah, no, we're going to keep it as brief as possible. <laughs> it was just way, to try and stay warm, by the way. With all the other... Bra- <laughs> <laughs> Should have went to weather films with all the other bar floors. She would have been delighted. Yeah. Uh, well, as I said, anyway, keep it fairly, really quick and very, very without detail about people that may be eating while I listen. Uh, Northern Ireland Water, very formal concerns about the ability of the serving networks around the area. Um, this, obviously, with the, the public plans were announced uh, back in May for this proposed um, new terrace with the full planning application already being lodged. But uh, Northern Northern Water has advised uh, the planners that developers need to engage with them, but they're hoping that the problem can be overcome and it's just a little bit of a, a bump in the road and a chink in the armour. So hope this will be the last time we get to talk about the, the sewer works that's going on in Jerry. <laughs> uh, but there is, we talk about stuff holding these things up, but there is literal shit holding up this, uh, this, this proposed plan. So we've we'll swiftly moved on to more... Um, Shit hit the fan we'll streams. More, literally already, only a couple of months into it. <laughs> but we'll go on to probably some more um, expected news. 
about a, a stadium and just concerns uh, Finn Harp and their proposed new stadium, the Donegal Community Stadium. Uh, so this is this has just been a really frustrating time uh, for this project as a whole. It's the stadium has pretty much been left idle since 2014 when we got a good, good amount of groundwork done up until that point. It's now come out that Finn Harps need to raise 700,000 uh, euro for the Donegal Community Stadium. Now, looking at the, some of the finances, we'll break it down really quickly. We have received a grant of 3.991 million by the government. This comes under the sport infrastructure front, uh, but the club now must uh, provide uh, a matching number to that front. So, again, really, really crazy because numbers brought a lot of enemies. I'm going to try and be very brief about this one. Um, Harps share uh, comes down to 1.2 million. They've already secured a facility fund last year um, from the subcontractor. This will be allowing them to make repayments on the final installation uh, payment over the next 10 years. So looking at the stadium cost at the moment, Roy, it's risen to 7.3 million, uh, while the initial build was due to be in the region of 5.7 million, with um, 0.5 million uh, being invested by uh, Donegal County Council and uh, 0.7 million being invested by the FAI. So this means that they now have to reapply for the facility that they did receive last year, but the money that has been guaranteed by Donegal County Council, DFBI and the government all still remain intact and it's just it, it, it's a really really a frustrating one for what's already been a, an overly overly long process from the half point of view it's something that's badly needed up there I think they're in a position now that they've, they've gone really really far and committed into the Donegal Community Stadium I believe they're going to build a, a fundraising committee now to help raise these funds and, and get the project back on track because there's a lot of talk and a lot of want for the club to just maybe look for investment and redevelop Finn Park as it is now rather than a complete new build and a complete new because it's just like a lot of League of Ireland grounds uh, have just been dragging on and on and on and it's a really frustrating yeah. thing for not only and half supporters but the community uh, of Bally Buffet of Donegal because it was meant to be a community stadium it's meant to be for several different uses so you can understand it's the frustration especially I don't know if you ever booked up in Finn Park right? I was I played there Nathan I mean, yeah well, you do keep forgetting you played it you don't <laughs> mention it enough I know a lot of lads have played like three League of Ireland games and you never should have done it go on um, so, you, so you know yourself there's a GAA stadium a couple of minutes walk away now with it's like 17, it's over 17,000 uh, seat of capacity. So, you see the struggle that Finn Harps uh, going through at the moment and have been going through for almost 10 years now with the, the Idle Side Stadium sitting there, and must be just so disheartening from, uh, from their point of view. Yeah, absolutely. Um, listen, we hope I'd love to be able to see a way that the League of Ireland community could help each other's club uh, at different points throughout the year to raise money. Uh, within the whole League of Ireland structure, must be a way that we can we can help each other out, um, going through club by club because we need the money. It's very hard for those teams, uh, Finn Harps on their own, to to raise that kind of money. Um, if we all dipped into the pockets and and helped the out just for the infrastructure, nothing more than that, just to build these stadiums, the facilities that we want to go and comfortably sit and watch the the teams that we love. Something to have a look at down the line. Okay, uh, we'll just finish off. Quick eye on the League of Ireland returning this weekend, Nathan. 
Yay, can't wait. Buzzing. <laughs> uh, we'll transition actually quickly with Finn Harps making the journey himself. Uh, well, we do have a couple of league fixtures coming up, uh, a massive one in particular in the Premier Division we talked about in a second. The FAI Cup quarterfinals take off to take place this weekend uh, from the, ma- the men's and the women's point of view. We've been in the same path, man. I'll be making the trip over to Bally Buffet on Friday evening just to see how the lads get on. But a couple of interesting games here, Roy, isn't there? Uh, in the quarterfinals, really shaking things up now. Finn Harps are hosting St. Pat's. I almost got that one out eventually. Uh, Galway United hosting Mundog. And what's a really intriguing uh, game there. Uh, United hosting uh, Bohemians. And Cork City hosting Wexford. So a few really, really intriguing toys there. I'm going for, I'm going for, I'm going for, I'm jumping in ahead of you there, Nathan. Sorry. I'm go going, ahead, go ahead. I'm, go, I'm going for, myself. I'm going for Pat's Galway Bows and Cork. I'm pretty much with you, but I'm going to swap it out uh, Cork for Wexford. There's a sneaky little thing that mm. Wexford could, could get in, but that Galway game, the Galway in Dundalk is really, really interesting. The fact it? that it's in Galway, Galway Nathan. Right? That's it. Yeah, yeah. You have a Galway United side that the league is, is all but over now. So this is, this is going to be a massive game for them to get into a semi-final and to get it one step closer to your V. But that'd be an absolutely brilliant season. It's been yeah. a brilliant, brilliant season for them regardless. But if they can potentially get to the the stadium, what a year that'll be. And it's mad we were thinking at the start of the year it's a stick at twist time uh, for John Caulfield. But God, he's, he's, he's done the job uh, tenfold. Uh, quickly just throwing an eye on to the uh, FDI Women's Cup uh, we have uh, Shelbourne the, they're now in first we've got a boy into this round as the the reigning champions they'll be facing uh, DLR Waves we have Bohemians playing Slugger Rovers in Daily Mounts at Lone Town we'll be holding Pima United that's a really big game there big, big clash against two big sides mm. this early on and Cork City will be hosting Shamrock Rovers and again, I'm going to keep me little smooth uh, transitions in place. Massive game in the Premier Division, Roy, isn't it? Um, Friday night, as uh, Shamrock Rovers made the trip up to the Brandywell to face Derry City on uh, Friday the 15th of September. Massive title, title implications on the line there. Absolutely massive. What can you see there? Because everyone else seems to be stumbling while Shamrock Rovers uh, just do that little bit better. Can you see Derry with the form they're in? Can you see them? Take Shamrock Rovers. I think the court, especially at home. I think anything but a win would be like obviously Shamrock Rovers down to the ground. I'd like to see Derry win it just to make it that little bit more interesting coming into the the last uh, six seven games. I think of Shamrock Rovers this is the last time the two sides faced uh, each other coming into the run in. So you'd hate to see them pulling away uh, as the season sort of comes to a climax. So. Yeah, I, I would I'd look at Derry City that he could sneak a three points there and make it really, really interesting because it's down to a two-horse race now, isn't it, for the league title. So, oh, that's a neutral pass around the race now. Let's make it as interesting as possible. Well, this is it. It's September now. If it's not a win for Derry City, it's practically over. So, uh, a, a big game. You won't get to see it, Nathan, because uh, you'll be watching your beloved St. Pat's. But, um, I don't know, actually. I'd, I'd like to see that Galway United game, so I don't know, even know if I'll watch the Dirty City at <laughs> Shamrock Rovers game. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah, we, we, we'll, have a, we'll have a think about it on Friday night. Okay, Nathan, listen, uh, it's great to be talking to you, and it's great for everyone else out there. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we really appreciate it, and we'll be talking to you next week. Bye-bye.